the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. That's right. There's nowhere I'd rather be than with y'all every night of the week from 6 to 8 p.m. right here on The Answer San Diego, FM 96.1 and streaming all over the world. And you know who went I don't want to. Well, he didn't go global today, but he did go national. A local mayor of San Diego County went made national news today because he actually solved a problem in his town that is an issue that many people consider to be absolutely unsolvable. But it's interesting how you can solve a problem when you actually decide that you want to actually solve it. And what problem am I talking about? Actually, the problem of homelessness. And here to discuss is the mayor of Coronado, Richard Bailey, who actually, if you if you went to today at foxnews.com, what was one of the leading articles today? It was this headline, California City Nearly Eliminates Homeless Population with Zero Tolerance Policy. Who knew that enforcing policy would actually solve a problem? And he's here to discuss. I'm grateful to have you back on the show, Richard Bailey. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So, um, yeah, you you know, this the homeless problem, I mean, for years, everybody's been scratching their head. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, there's, I think, according to this article, 30, how many, $30 billion has been spent in the, in the state of California to try to fight this problem. It's only grown, um, no, spent $10 billion between 2018 and 2012 to try to solve this problem. And California still has 30% of the entire country's homeless population and uh mayor of san diego kevin faulkner put a bunch of homeless people 900 in the convention center and then during covid then just put them back out on the street spent 10 million he didn't solve the problem and yet you did and coronado how'd you make how'd how'd you do that how'd you accomplish that well as much as as many politicians like to take credit for things they they did and didn't do this policy that we're continuing to implement here is a continuation of the policy we've had in place for several years. And I think it really speaks volumes to when you have a consistent approach that has worked year after year and you stick with it, the results keep getting better and better. And what that approach looks like here in Coronado is that we make saying yes to getting help and off the streets really the only option available. Because I think it's important for your, your listeners to know that what's happening here in California and what's happening in our region is, is really unique to us. For the last 10 years, we have seen the homeless count nationwide fall from about 620,000 homeless, uh, the population of 620,000 homeless in 2012 to 580,000 
2022, so a reduction of 40,000 homeless throughout our nation. However, over that same time period, we've seen the homeless population increase in California by 40%. And in some parts of San Diego County, we've seen the homeless population almost quadruple. So that Mm. begs the question, why are the policies in California contributing to an increasing rise in homelessness when the rest of the nation doesn't see that? All right. So what are the policies that are contributing to that increase here in California? Well, the biggest problem that's uh, the biggest problem that's contributing to that increase is our policy around what's known as "quote unquote" housing first. So, housing first is a basically a, a methodology that says, in order to help people with whatever afflicts them, whatever caused them to become homeless, you must first give them a home, a permanent housing, so that they can deal with either their drug addiction or their their mental health issue without any precondition on attaining that housing. Of course, the problem with that is that when you consider we have 170,000 residents, 170,000 population for our homeless count, and places like L.A. County are spending upwards of $800,000 per unit, there's obviously not enough money available to actually build every single homeless individual a house before we go ahead and start uh, treating them. And here's the thing, and this is something that I think a lot of politicians lose sight on. Oftentimes, we focus on the myriad of reasons that someone might end up homeless. And as a, just as a human being, I have compassion for everyone that is on the streets, regardless of the situation that got them there. But ultimately, they fall into one of two categories. Either they want help or they do not want help. And so it's, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, right? They either want help or they don't. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so it's our responsibility as a city. We have a moral responsibility as a, as a city and as a county and as a state to make sure that those that actually want help have access to getting help and getting back on their feet and the resources they need to you know, start their life over again. But for those that refuse to accept help, that shouldn't give them the right to block our public spaces with their tent encampments, to uh, defecate and urinate on our sidewalks, to litter everywhere, um, to commit petty crimes, to you know, fuel uh, whatever their drug addiction might be, if they happen to have one, you know, so we still have these basic code violations that are occur- occurring and should be enforced regardless of your housing status, provided we have shelter space available. And the good news here, Andrew, and this is also another point that's lost, is that anyone that legitimately wants help, there are plenty of resources available in our county tonight that someone can find shelter space and they can start getting plugged into the resources they need to get back on their feet. So they, they so just to make sure everybody understands, because we've got listeners from not just in San Diego County across the country, but particularly here in San Diego County, there's no need for anybody to be living in an encampment because there are places for them to go. Yes, that is correct. If they wanted to get off the street and have shelter space tonight, there is places for them to go. My other question for you is if if it's either you, you're you're either going to get help and get off the street or you're going to leave Coronado. How do you make that happen? So what we find from our experience is that, and, and just to be clear, you know, we have secured resources, we have secured shelter space through our own city funds, so that through a, through a third-party homeless service provider, so that if we encounter a homeless individual here in Coronado, we make contact with that individual, and we would make sure that they are aware that we have resources available to them should they want them. And what tends to happen is that homeless, that homeless individual will either say, yes, great, I love this, these services, and we'll take them to make sure they um, get plugged into those services. Or they will say, you know what, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to uh, receive citations for putting up my tent or for uh, 
committing any other code violations. So I'll just go ahead and move along my way. Very rarely is there ever anyone that is super dug in and said, nope, I'm not moving here no matter what. Um, and that's, that I think speaks volumes once again to how our approach at being proactive for many years now mm-hmm. has created a situation where we don't find ourselves with large tent encampments that are very difficult to clean up because we've taken that proactive approach for so many years. If you allow one homeless individual to come in and you don't plug them into those resources while simultaneously you know, enforcing the code for the betterment of the general population, uh, you might end up with three or four that quickly turns into a large tent encampment, which mm-hmm. then becomes increasingly difficult to get rid of. So you have to stay on top of it as, as a city. What is the what is the breakdown? What what is um, the percentage of those that say yes and get help versus those that just eventually move on? Because there's other areas that are, will, are amenable to them in San Diego. What's the percentage of those that say yes? Coronado has a very small sample size, so I won't use Coronado sample size as an example. But talking to my friends in law enforcement throughout throughout the region. Uh, what they will tell you is that at, at minimum, uh, nine out of 10 refuse help. When police officers make contact with individuals, uh, homeless individuals on the street, uh, roughly nine in 10 refuse help. Now that's all, you know, that's, that's all kind of anecdotal evidence. It's not contained in a database really right. anywhere. Um, but that's just from their observations, nine out of 10 will wow. refuse help. Wow. And that's got to be because um, so many of them are drug addicted and, and mentally ill. And obviously the mentally ill, the, some of the ones that I've seen just are so out of their minds that they're just, you, you can't even practically reach them. And, and, and I don't know what your thoughts are and what your opinion is of Gavin Newsom's plan to to put, put a court system in place for people to become uh, uh, involuntarily committed. Yeah, I have. So I believe that you're referring to uh, SB 43, if I'm correct. And I think so. I haven't, I haven't read through the exact language of the bill, so I, I hate to comment on a bill I haven't read through yet. But you know, generally speaking, I think what you'll hear from a lot of politicians are excuses. Oh, we can't clean up this homeless situation until this happens or until that happens, or it's this person's responsibility or that person's responsibility. The fact of the matter is that there is stuff that every single local official uh, could do right now to start addressing the homeless issue without any changes to state policy. Now, that being said, the state policies that are in place right now do make it more difficult uh, to address the homeless situation and the, and the effects to the surrounding communities. But that doesn't mean we have to let perfect be the enemy of the good. We can all start today and start making a difference. Well, I love what you're doing. Hat tip to you. I appreciate those efforts so much. Um, we it just it would be phenomenal if we saw this uh, approach being taken uh, across the state. So and congratulations because you 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 went national today. Uh, it, and Coronado is it, well. Is, isn't that awesome? Uh, Coronado um, is always national because of its beauty and the and the Hotel Dell and beyond. And um, I especially love it since it's being go- governed uh, so well by you, Richard Bailey. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Now, um, from the good to the bad and ugly, and uh, after the break, you will hear a story that is absolutely so ugly involving Grandpa Badfinger Joe Biden and a sad mom who lost her two sons. Stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. You're listening to the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Um, so there were hearings, uh, I guess, in D.C. So many hearings going on. Every time I turn around, there's a hearing. Well, there was a hearing, evidently, yesterday or the day before in D.C. for the fentanyl crisis. And this is a massive crisis going on in this country. Like, it scares me because that fentanyl is showing up. It's so it goes di- back to the border. Well, it goes back to the border. Uh, somebody said today, I think it was Representative or Senator Haggerty uh, today at, at CPAC. I think, I'm not sure if it was Haggerty or who it was at CPAC who said that every pill has the fingerprints of the Chinese, every fentanyl pill has the fingerprints of the Chinese Communist Party on them. And, and absolutely. And there's enough fentanyl in this country right now to kill off, I think, at least a third of all U.S. Americans. And it's so deadly. I think we had a San Diego police officer, someone in law enforcement, might have been a sheriff's deputy, deputy, I'm not sure, who died. She was at the scene, I guess, of someone who had overdosed or whatever and just got a little bit on a finger. That's how deadly it is. I think that may have what happened to Prince. I think he... Um, there was fentanyl that was in, you know, a lot of these celebrities... I didn't know that. ...do doctor shopping... Or or acquire, you know, they think they're getting oxy or something, and it's laced with fentanyl, right? Because they're, they're getting it from, you know, a, a source that's not, you know, a pharmacy. So it's just really, it, it's just such a scourge, the amount of people dying in this country of drug overdoses and fentanyl-related deaths. And I also remember, and I'm not sure if it was fentanyl specifically, but the medical examiner uh, in, in Northern California had said that he was seeing more people dying de- daily of drug overdoses uh, than COVID. So there was a hearing and there was a mom who spoke at the hearing and her name was Rebecca Keisling, I believe. And she told the story of her two, she lost two sons, two sons to fentanyl overdose skins. I mean, it's bad enough when you hear, I think that's what happened to um, host Eric Bowling. Uh, he and his wife lost their son. It was an accidental overdose because he took a pill at a party thinking it's oxy and it was laced with fentanyl and he died. I mean, this is happening all, you know, all the time in this country. You know, if we have anybody that thinks he's good old Joe, listen to this clip and then you tell me if you think he's good old Joe. Yeah. So this mom talked at this hearing about losing her two sons to fentanyl and, 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 and then evidently, uh, you know, uh, because he doesn't want to accept responsibility for the fentanyl crisis or anything else and doesn't want anybody to understand how bad this crisis is under his watch and in particularly at his hands because of the the border. Evidently, he mocked her and her testimony. And here's what she had to say about it. Clip four. As President Biden was speaking about this mother who lost her two sons, he starts to laugh and says that, well, it turns out that they died before I ever even became president. (laughs) Really? This is how you speak about the death of my sons? Because a congresswoman misspoke, you mock the loss of my sons. How dare you? What is the matter with you? Almost every Democrat on the committee offered me condolences. They at least had the decency to do that. You can't even do that. You have to mock my pain. And then what about the 22% increase in fentanyl deaths since you became president? Yeah. What an absolute piece of human waste Joe Biden is. The most despicable 
piece of crap on the planet. 80 million votes? Please. Any Democrat who defends him is, I find, as just equally despicable. And I can't believe there's debate of whether he's running or not. Yeah. They're, they've been trying to, the Dem, Democrats are just trying to figure out an exit plan. Because they because the problem is, they expected to shove him out by now, but then... Well, it would have been six months. It would have been six months, but Kamala... They, uh, speaking of speaking of uh, human waste and garbage that needs to be flushed, that was a really bad choice on their part because no, no, and now they're stuck. And now they're stuck. But to mock a mother who's lost her two children tells you that that man is has absolutely no conscience. He's abusive. Made his daughter take showers with him. I could do a whole show. On ab- how absolutely repugnant he is. The only person I think today might be seem more repugnant to me is Alec Murdoch, by the way, who was convicted of murdering his wife and his son. But Joe Biden is is equally narcissistic. I'll say that. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin, who video who was recorded calling his daughter a little pig. Yeah, this is this is the, these are the, kind, the, the this is the kind of person we're dealing with here. But Democrats don't really care about character and integrity. They pretend that they oh, not, do. I mean, they claim to. They claim to. Donald Trump was the one who brought the Angel families to our attention. Families whose loved ones had been murdered at the hands of MS-13 gangs. Uh, just one, uh, just one, uh, which is just one way in which some of the age of families had lost loved ones because of illegal immigrants coming into this country. When have you ever heard Donald J. Trump mock a mother who lost her two sons? Don't ever tell me again, Democrats, that Donald Trump is a bigot, that Donald Trump is evil, that Donald Trump orange man bad. No, I don't want to hear because again. They won't find the clip. It never happened. Right. Because it's not Donald J. Trump who hates people. It's not Donald J. Trump who doesn't have a heart. It's Joe Biden and the Democrats. I mean, look what happened in Ohio. That was proof positive. He's got one of the biggest hearts that this nation's ever seen. Absolutely. Joe Biden has yet to go to East Palestine. Yet to go. And let me remind everybody, I think I said it last night, the same people telling you, you couldn't leave your house. Because you couldn't breathe the air because it might have Rona in it. Are trying to tell the citizens of East Palestine they ain't got anything to worry about. Drink that water or smell that air. Take in a big breath. Yeah. Joe Biden is absolutely despicable to me to mock that mother. How cruel. This is the same guy, by the way. Let me remind everybody. Um, who stood there looking at his watch as the caskets of Americans. The 13 Americans who died in his Afghanistan uh, chaotic, intentionally destructive withdrawal from Afghanistan, stood there looking at his watch. And then when he sat and talked to some of the family, he talked about his son, Bo. You're not allowed to say anything about his kids. What if somebody mocked his son dying? Bo, by the way, wasn't he dishonorably discharged because of drugs? He didn't die in service to his country. Trump's never mocked anybody who lost a, 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 a child. Just despicable. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, my buddy Don Jans is going to be calling in. 
He wants to share with you guys about how, how, speaking of Biden, how we've become a dictatorship in the United States of America. Don Jans is the author of books like uh, The Road to Tyranny. And it's been too long since he's been on my show, and he will be with us when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Rolling into the last half hour of tonight's show. And then it will be Friday, babies. <laughs> hey, I'm glad to have my old friend Don Jans back with me. Y'all remember Don, author of such books as The Road to Tyranny and Brush, Brush Fires of Freedom. Well, he sent me an email today that piqued my curiosity and my interest. And I thought it would be a good topic to share with you guys. And he joins me now. Hello, Don Jans. Great to hear you back. I have you back. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was gone for a little bit. I took a little vacation and then ended up. Well, thank you. Um, So I'm glad to be back and I'm glad to have you back on my show. It's been a minute, right? Yes. My my latest book is actually Republic or Democracy Doesn't Matter. Yes. And that's the topic right now that we're discussing. Just if I can be. Is, 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 is clear and succinct as possible to set, so people can understand exactly what we're saying. Okay. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution specifically says all legislative power lies in the legislative branch, which is comprised of the House and the Senate. There is no legislative power whatsoever in the executive or in the judiciary branches. They cannot make law. Despite us saying that um, uh, that um, uh, executive orders and regulations are laws they're not, nor are opinions of any court law. So understanding that, Congress passed a law several years ago regarding retirement plans, specifically private retirement plans. And in that law, Congress said that it is the obligation of the fiduciaries to safely maximize uh, uh, the um, um, the returns that's in the law, giving those specifications. Biden's Department of Labor came in and effectively changed the law mm-hmm. by rewording this and saying that they are to consider private retirement plans are now to consider environment, social, or ESG factors when making uh, investment decisions for their clients. They have no power to change that law. Right. Well, the, the, now, by the way, the Repu- we did report last night that the d- two Democrats joined with Republicans to block that. Um, okay. but, here's, um, the but, here's, but, here's the problem, Andrew. Okay. Both houses have passed a resolution to block that. Now, con- or Biden is claiming he has that that's a law and he has the power to veto that law. In other words, Biden is saying, I have the power to veto your resolution when I changed your law. Let, ah. me take this into, let me take this into a different scenario. Right now, our tax law specifically says that churches are tax exempt, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. What would prevent the executive from saying any church that proclaims Jesus Christ and the Bible is no longer tax exempt. And Congress says, oh, no, no, that's not what we mean. And they pass, and they pass a resolution and 
two Democrats vote with the Republicans on it. But Biden has the power to veto that resolution. And that statement he made that any church that professes Jesus Christ in the Bible is no longer tax exempt would be the law. So, yeah. Yeah. So so basically, um, so, you know, departments are basically rewriting the law. Congress is coming in with resolutions basically saying you're rewriting our law or, or to try to block that. Um, but that's they, they why are they trying to block it instead of just saying, no, you don't have the right to 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 write rewrite our law. This is what I would like to know. And nobody's talking about this, Andrea. You're right, because because Biden doesn't have the power. And this is one of the things the Supreme Court is hearing right now in, in, in regards to student loans, because he basically is trying to rewrite or actually craft law, craft the law, craft law from the White House. I don't like executive orders, by the way. I didn't like it when Obama did it. And I didn't like it when Trump did it, because what we need is to have legislation. Um, uh, it, but I mean, I get why Trump did it. We wouldn't have had any kind of secured border if he hadn't. Um, but you know, this, this is, um, yeah, I mean, basically what we've got is departments, you know, as well as courts. I mean, it's not even just departments like, like energy or labor. It's also our courts. We've, you know, we had the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania rewrite election law, right? We, so we've got election commissions rewriting election law across this country when they're elite, it's, it's illegal and they're, it's supposed to be done at the state legislature. The Constitution specifically states that only the state legislature can write election law. Congress, Congress can override it, but no court, no um, uh, um, uh, justice, no governor, no secretary of state, no Supreme Court of, of, of any place can override the law. All right, Don, hold up a second. We've got we've got a caller on the line, Disaffected Mike, who wants to weigh in on this topic. Hello, Disaffected Mike. Where you been lately? Hi, Andrea. Sorry, I've been nursing uh, bronchitis, so I, if I sound a little... Uh, yeah, I, I hear Sorry it. Okay, that. don't hurt yourself yeah. now calling in, but no, I want to hear what you got to no, say. No, I'm good. So, um, I, understand, I understand what your guest is saying. The problem is, is that uh, uh, government does not care about writing law. They do not care about the Constitution or the three pillars of the Constitution, the legislative, executive, or the judicial branch. They all cross over in each other now with the, with the giant bureaucracy that is in place that writes its own laws as a function of regulation and already pre-existing law. The ATF, like I told uh, uh, Mr. Potaskins, that the ATF is a perfect example of this, where they can go in and, and define what a firearm is or mm-hmm. define what constitutes what a firearm is. They do this all the time. Uh, the IRS does the same thing in terms of interpreting what tax law is. Um, they do this all the time. This is nothing new, and I wish it would stop. But the problem is, as I, as I told you, the government is, and the size of government and the debt that we've acquired because of this is the national security risk, the largest national security risk we have in the United States today. It's not white supremacy. It's not parents uh, yelling at school board members about CRT. It's not uh, you know white nationalism or Christians. It is the size of government, the bureaucracy, and the amount of debt we've incurred uh, uh, based on how they write these laws and spend our money wholesale without any accountability or responsibility at all. That's right. the real problem. It is. Disaffected Mike, thank you for calling in. Go take care You're welcome. of yourself. Appreciate you. Uh, your response to him, Don Jans? 
my response to him is all that is true. And what is happening is that we are no longer a republic, which is governed by law. Mm-hmm. We, because we adopted democracy, which means that the majority of some body dictates what we, what we can and cannot do, we have become, for all practical purposes, and if this becomes a regular occurrence, we are then a, an absolute dictatorship where yep. the, the, the executive branch can overwrite any, any law it wants to, the executive branch can declare any policy it wants, and it can veto if Congress says we disagree with you. That is dictatorship, yep. Andrea, Andrea, and that's where we are. Yeah, and it's really frightening. Yeah. And yeah, you're, nobody's really, you're right, nobody's really talking yeah. about it. And um, Where's Mike Lee? Where's Ted Cruz? I mean, those people are far smarter on the Constitution than I am. Well, apparently not. Uh, I, but but the, you're right. They they are smart uh, on the Constitution, uh, but they are. Um, and I've I've been vocal about it that as as much as I appreciate Ted Cruz, you know, taking it to and shredding uh, Merrick Garland yesterday. The reality is yeah. is Ted Cruz is. They're all pretty much most of them. There's only a handful that are really care about our freedoms and are truly fighting for our freedoms, and the rest are really just yeah. a part of the problem. Um, they, yeah. they, they are. And, you know, it's about power. I mean, supposedly, by the way, supposedly Ted Cruz at CPAC today told everybody in the audience to get their phone out and subscribe to his podcast. I mean, really, that's your priority, Ted yeah. Cruz. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So what do you it, think the I solution was, is? What's the solution? Well, well the solution, the only solution I, I, that I, I can think of, well, it, it, there's two solutions. First of all, I would really love to hear what Andy Biggs has to say about this. I would love to hear Andy Biggs' take on this um, because he does, he truly understands the Constitution as well. The only the only alternative or the only solution that I can think of is that we the people gave away our power. We gave away our republic. Benjamin Franklin told us we are giving you a republic if you can keep it. Yep. We the people turned our back on that republic and we started to accept larger governments like uh, like this affected Mike was talking about. We started to accept all the rules and the regulations that government brings on us. We put faces on our masks. We stayed in our houses. Yeah. The only the only solution I can think of is massive uh, civil disobedience and people truly becoming interested in government. And we have to start by taking back our cities, our counties, our, our school boards. We have to start taking those back immediately. And if we start taking those back and we insist that, that our, our true history be taught and we start to teach that, no, we do not have co-equal branches of government. We've never had co-equal branches of government. Or we, we, we were not supposed to have co-equal branches of government. We were supposed to have independent branches of government. Mm-hmm. That had checks and balances with the legislative being the most powerful, the executive being the second most powerful, and the judiciary being the least powerful. And that has flipped. The judiciary has become the most powerful. Yep. The, execu- or the executive is the second most powerful. And the legislative branch is the weakest because we have elected weak people yep. with no virtue and no morals into our, into our um, House and Senate. 
Well, Don Jans, thank you for calling in tonight. I appreciate it. And thank you for raising this. And, and you're right. This is something that we, everybody, every American, well, part of the problem too is that the average American doesn't even understand the, the, the basics of civics and what our government, how our government was supposed to be set up. And we have too many Republicans that throw the word, we're a democracy. We've got to protect our democracy. Well, we're actually a Republic of States. And so, um, and, yeah, there's so much of, of abuse of power going on. And you're right. I mean, we're, I think, I think with, the, with your definition tonight and your description, I think it's official to say that we're, we've reached dictatorship in the yep. United States of America. Tell everybody about your books and where they can get them. Well, my, everybody should be getting uh, The Road to Tyranny. Everybody should be reading um, uh, Setting Brush Fires of Freedom. And everybody should be reading Republic or Democracy Doesn't Matter. You can get them on Amazon or you can go to my website, mygrandchildrensamerica.com, or just go in on any search engine, search my name, Don Jans, and uh, you'll find the website. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for all you do to be fighting for our freedoms and bring the truth out there to people. And thanks for being on here tonight. And don't be such a stranger. (laughs) I won't be. And you stay healthy. Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. All right. right. Good night, hon. Final segment of tonight's Andrea K. Show coming up. A.K. Dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. There's this whole thing going on on Instagram. My toxic trait is like one of my favorite families I follow. This really cute family. I think they moved to Florida. She's from Jamaica. He's just some skinny little white boy here, and she is just she's hilarious. And then they've got like four kids. And they're all named animal names, right? Like tiger and this and that. They're just so cute. I love them so much, this Christian family. So anyway, she's like, my toxic trait is I'm always late. I was three hours late to my wedding. <laughs> she, trust me, she is just so cute. I'm just obsessed with this family out of Florida. Yeah, there's some of us like you and I, AK, we don't have toxic traits. I know. We're perfect, right? Okay, come on. What is your toxic trait? I know what your toxic trait is. Okay, let's see if I agree with you. You can't stand, you are, you don't have OCD, but you're very particular about your workspace being neat and clean. Skins does not like fingerprints on devices. Like I'm looking at my laptop and it's like the screen because it's a touch screen. It's just covered in fingerprints. And I know that would make you crazy. I literally wipe my phone down, <laughs> AK, like five times a day. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much nailed it so far. I know. Oh, uh, so what do you think my and toxic that's why and that's why the rain is dirty for your car. <laughs> it's not. It's gonna it really wash is, all the and gunk I've had off. to move my car wash like five times. <laughs> I know. Finally this Sunday I am washing it. Well yeah, well, I don't know what's gonna happen with these with this weather. Spectrum sent me a text message. It's always changing. Yeah, right saying look for some possible power outages with a storm. I'm like, as a storm. Oh, I'll wash it in the dark at this point. <laughs> um what do you think my toxic trait is? I have a few. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, none of us are perfect. I understand that. As far as toxicity, to- like I mean, my toxic trait, I don't really like think what? you have a toxic trait. 
Well, I do. But let me think about what is. What's my toxic trait? I mean, someone might say, you know, once AK latches on, you know, you're you're, you're never going to get her off. I, I find that's that, true. That's a good thing. <laughs> the most commonly used word to describe me my whole life adjective is relentless. <laughs> and I think that's a great thing. <laughs> One of my nicknames in sales was the bulldog because when I sunk my teeth into a prospect's leg, they couldn't shake me off. So, yeah, I think I think the fact that I can be a, a, a dog on a bone and not want to give up. If you're uh, making me fight. pick, a, it's not toxic, but sometimes you get so ramped up, it's hard for you to come down when you're really yeah. passionate about something. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'm like a dog on a bone. It's like I get frenzied. <laughs> on a bone. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be it'll be uh, Friday fun day and something crazy happens in the news and I'm like, oh, it's not fun day anymore. <laughs> Carrot sticks. That's if you're listening, he can he can confirm as well. Yes, absolutely. I wonder. I wonder if Carrot sticks would admit what his toxic trait. Carrot is. sticks, call in. Call in and tell us what your toxic trait is. Are you a listener and you want to admit what what a toxic trait is? 888-344-1170. I'm obsessive about being on time. I love this mom so much, um, but when when I mean to me, being late is bad. Which mom are you talking about? The one that, that I follow on Instagram. And oh, she, yeah, yeah, With this whole toxic trait. She's like, I'm late all the time. I was three hours late for my wedding. That drives me insane. I want. I guess my toxic trait is I am obsessive about being on time and I can't tolerate anybody being it, late. It, it happens. Okay, I'm going to call my kids out. When we go to the movies. We, we, we're big movie buffs. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to treat you. So let's meet at the theater. Movies at 730. Show up. Let's have a good time. They know, and you know, just like 15 minutes of previews, but they'll show up like right before the previews are supposed to end, and then we're walking into a dark theater. Well, you and that could, bothers me a little bit. Well, couldn't you just save them seats? Oh, yeah, then, but it's like I like to, you know, be able to relax with them, go to the front, buy some concessions. I like to watch the trailers, so I don't want to go in without them, so then I kind of miss out. Oh, see, I hate the trailers. Oh, I, love I them. try to time it to where. And I want to be eating my snacks at the beginning of the movie. You and I are the same. I don't want to be eating my snacks during the trailers because no, I... No, because then you got nothing to munch on. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like, I only have so much... I eat a lot throughout the day, but I never eat large quantities. And so it's like, if, if I were to start eating my snacks at the beginning of the previews, I mean, I would blow through my wad. I wouldn't have anything left to snack on. So, and I really don't like... So many trailers reveal too much of the story. I've always just been a big movie trailer guy. I know Carrot Sticks isn't one uh, one for movie trailers either. So I feel like I kind of miss out on that because I won't, I'll wait for them in the lobby. I just, this is the respectful thing to do. Okay. All right. Well, there's worse things than, you know, it's not well, like there they're is. making I mean, that's, you miss It's kind of minor. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's very minor. Um, you know, uh, does Cammy have a toxic trait? Not a one. A good answer. Good answer. No, I literally tell her, and she's like, well, I'm not perfect. And I'm like, uh, I think you're, she's kind of like Mary Poppins. She's practically perfect in every way. Aww. She's Mary Poppins, except she's much cuter than Mary Poppins. I agree. All right. I don't know that I have enough time to get into this next topic. What, how much time do I have left here, man? You got Okay, I've got three minutes. Okay. Isn't it interesting... That a Muslim group care, Council for American Islamic oh, Relations. Oh, this is fascinating. Yeah, how they are warning. My toxic trait is yawning in my own radio show. Sorry, guys. I just didn't sleep. I had insomnia last night. I was you know awake what? It is? all night. You do it regularly. I had insomnia last night. And, and like bad. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. 
So, um, and I will tell you that I cut out, you, if you'll notice, and Skins can attest to this, I'm drinking tea. She's cut out evening coffee. I've cut out any, I don't have any coffee after morning. And so. God bless you. And I'm, and I'm trying to adjust to it. I'm trying to adjust to it. You know and, what? That's probably more the, that than, than the insomnia because yeah. I mean, the coffee amps you up. Yeah, well, and I'm one of these people that could drink a cup of coffee and go to sleep. So I'm surprised in, in since I decided to do this, I, I you know, I'm surprised at how much um I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm adjusting to no caffeine. So I apologize for the yawning. Um I'm not boring myself, I swear. There I go again. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Um, CARE, Council for American Islamic Relation, is warning that a new Michigan LBGT rights bill could encroach on religious freedom and and that they're saying that it, they're cramming this legislation through. Uh, isn't it interesting? I've been wondering when 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 uh, Muslim groups were going to start speaking out because it is not a secret that in Islam, it is not just a sin to be gay. They will, in, in, under Sharia, it's a death penalty and they literally throw you off a roof in Muslim countries. So I've been waiting for CARE and other groups to come out because it, they were quiet for many years because it wasn't uh, the LBGT movement, the LBG gay and lesbian movement wasn't about transing. I mean, it's just really gotten, it, it, it wasn't so in your face. It wasn't being pushed on us. It wasn't to the degree that it is now. And so it's about time that they've come out and been honest that, uh, and, and by the way, I agree with them that it is a, an attack on re- religious freedoms. All religions. All religions, by the way. But what I find interesting is that there's no pushback against care today for this. Nobody's go- Nobody's coming out and calling them bigots. Right. Now, what do you think it would be, Andrea, if this were Christian or a Catholic group? Exactly. Exactly. That's the entire point here. It was, it's never been a, it's never, there's never been a Muslim baker who's had a gay couple come in and try to make them bake a cake for a gay wedding. There's, there's been, and, and it's because the, the Islamists have been partnering, the Democrats have been partnering with the Islamists because they share a, an ideology of a centralized system of government. It's another reason why the Democrats are silent today and not coming out against care and calling them bigots like they would be if it was a Christian group. All right, tomorrow is Friday Fun Day. We'll have Bob Walters. We're going to have some fun for you guys. So don't miss it. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Love you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.